Good morning. This is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. What's going on in the real estate market with regard to legislation? What's happening with the 421As? What's happening with, with items like MEMA and other topics? Good cause of eviction. I don't know the answers, but today I brought the expert over here. I have a partner who is the co-chair of the firm's administrative law department at Belkin, Burden, and Goldman. Carol Rutowski. Hi, good morning. Thanks for being here. So let's talk about the end of the year. A lot of legislation was pending. What's what's really happening? Yeah. Well, um, in June, the legislature uh, passed two bills um, that were extremely damaging to owners. Uh, and they have been sitting there waiting uh, for the governor to act. Um, we were hoping that she would not act. Um, and just let them die. What what effect to owners? You said they would drastically having an effect. Just a couple of highlights. Um, under uh, rent stabilization code, if uh, prior to the enactment uh, or the passage of these bills, um, if you had two apartments that were vacant and you combine them. That was the Godfather provision? It was the Frankenstein provision. Oh, the Frankenstein. Okay, Godfather uh, and Frankenstein. Right. Um, if you combine two vacant units, you were able to then charge a first rent. And that first rent would be subject to stabilization. But you were able to then bump up the rent to what market would would bear at that point. And and most of these units have been vacant for either occupied by long term regulated tenant for decades, um, or uh, vacant for a while. So to be able to create new housing, um, new quality housing was very important. And it also gave owners the ability to now recoup some of what they've lost over the years. You know, these, these market rate units, whether they're deregulated units or they're just market rate stabilized, that's what subsidizes the regulated units in the building. Um, and if you're not able to do that and you're not able to bring rents up to at least a portion of the building. Right. I mean, taxes, insurance and all the insurance other Insurance is off the wall, taxes, right. water, sewer, everything. So that that was a, a, a provision which owners relied on. And under the new legislation, um, there is going to be a, a now a, a different methodology for calculating that first rent. And what is that method? So currently... Um, if if the bill is passed is signed without amendments to that section, then for if you have two rent regulated units, rent stabilized, and you combine them, you are only able to charge the last legal rent of each of those units combined, plus any improvement increase, which is a maximum of either eighty three dollars or eighty eight dollars. Uh, and which doesn't even pay for the plumbers to just walk into the building. Does not even correct. I mean, I, I had a client, I was on the phone this morning with a client who said to me, "My, the cost of renovating a recently vacated unit um, that had been occupied for 30 years, uh, although ma- maintained, it needs to be updated. And it, the cost of that was a minimum of $65,000. And I had to tell him that because his building has more than 35 units in it, the maximum he's going to get is $83 a month. So does it pay for owners to do those renovations? No, it no longer pays for owners to do those renovations. The problem is, is that owners are not the only ones that are losing on a provision like that. So are the tenants. So are the tenants. You you have owners who are going to be forced to make choices, just like prior to the enactment of the HSTPA in, in June of 2019, 
when they were proposing um, changes to the major capital improvement increases, um, we warned that that there is going to be less capital improvements performed because it's not it will no longer be economically feasible for owners to take on those huge projects. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, there are some owners that are, are still filing MCIs. We do file them in my firm, but it, they're much fewer and they're only on necessity items. Um, so you have owners who are taking on uh, repairs, um, and regular maintenance and trying to, uh, you know, drag things out as long as possible as opposed to replacing items that have exceeded their useful lives. Um, so that's just, this is just a continuation of that. So so you have the issue of recalculate, recalculating the, the method for the, the calculation of the first rent, right? You So that's one issue. Then Then there's the issue of, Substantial rehabilitation, um, buildings that uh, have been substantially rehabilitated um, after January 1st, 74, are exempt from stabilization, except for those units that remained occupied. Up until now, owners are not required to file for an application for an order, excuse me, file an application for an order um, granting the sub-rehab. It's by operation of law, if you do the work, it's the building is sub-rehabbed. Uh, there are going to be substantial changes now. Owners are going to have to file for an order within a year of the project being completed. Um, that's, that is definitely going to slow things down. Um, those applications at DHCR typically take years uh, to process. Um, in the meantime, um, the owner, uh, there could be opposition to it. Um, the owner has spent a fortune of money. They can't keep the building vacant. The buildings will have to be occupied, and it's going to create issues with tenants. Uh, in addition, there's the possibility that uh, buildings that were sub-rehabbed years ago, um, in fact, the current, the current version of the bill that was signed by the governor has a provision in there requiring that all buildings that had been sub-rehabbed an owner is required to file for an order from DHCR. So, if you the current legis the, the current bill that was signed states that if an owner sub rehabbed their building twenty years ago or bought a building that was sub rehabbed twenty years ago, and there have been five owners since within sixty uh, within six months from the effective date of the statute, an owner would be required to file an application so, now. So my question is, why would an owner even get involved in this today? Why would people go out and buy new buildings? Now, I mean, not build new buildings, but, you know, buy investment sales property. Well, I mean, that's that's a good question. I mean, the, the, the bottom line is, is that New York is still unique um, and real estate is cyclical. And if you look back to when I was a child in the 70s, uh, to what, where we are now, you can see the the pattern. You can see what happened to housing over the years and how it's come full circle. So I think that there are owners out there. I know there are because I deal with them on a daily basis. There are owners out there who are in it for the long term, and they know that there are ups and downs. And they are certainly discouraged as to what's going on now, but they are invested in New York. And then you have buyers who had always wanted to get into New York but couldn't afford to do so. And they're seeing this as an opportunity now. 
especially since interest rates hopefully will be coming down a bit. Um, so we we have definitely seen a renewed interest um, since the Fed has announced interest rates coming down in, in December, almost immediate. Let's talk about good cause eviction. Sure. What's your thoughts? And what, what is it? So good cause eviction apl- would apply to all units that are not subject to rent regulation currently. So any free market unit. Uh, and and the drafts of the bills that have been floated out there um, over the past several years uh, would not exempt, for example, a condominium unit um, that you own and that you're renting out. Um, so all So any free market residential units would be covered, presumably, at least under the drafts that, that are out there now. Um, it's it, it hasn't passed here in New York State statewide yet. Um, there are some jurisdictions upstate, smaller jurisdictions that have passed it. Um, there are jurisdictions outside of New York that have passed it. Uh, New York has very heavy, uh, stringent rent laws to begin with. Um, I'm hoping that the the existing laws that are there um, will forestall or prevent um, the signing of good cause eviction. Um, but ultimately, it may happen. What about MIMI? The mayor's program. Mayor's, the, the new program. Um, it's, so mayor floated out there this uh, potential new program, which they're seeking comments on now. Um, and it's his attempt to to bridge the gap and bring back some form of uh, tax incentive for owners to build. Just like we said with HS, HSTPA, um, we said the same thing when it came to 421A. If you don't allow 421A to be renewed or something to take its place, you're going to see no buildings being built. Um, it is... Right now, you see build developments that have been planned for years where they had their footings in the ground. They made it into the 421A program just in time. But you're, you're not going to see many ground-up uh, new housing until they pass something like this. Last point. What, what's, hap- what's your thoughts on the conversion of office buildings to residential? I think that for, for people who don't understand real estate and don't understand what the process would be to convert the space because there there is a need for affordable housing here. No one is questioning that. Um, the problem is with going from commercial to residential, there are so many different systems that have to be installed to make the to make the building legal for residential use. Aside from changes in zoning, let's put all that aside. I'm just talking the physical structure that economically it doesn't make sense. For most most buildings, and I think that's why you see that that hasn't caught on as quickly as as you know those who have floated it out there would hope. Okay, it to have I'd like on. to thank you so much for being here, and now I understand why everybody needs a good administrative lawyer who understands the legislation. See you next week. Thank you. Thank you. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. 
Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.